season. And, you know, believe it or not, we had, we had an early Christmas miracle at the Darnell house this week. And I knew that you would like to hear about it, so I'm going to tell you about it. Christmas miracle. It, did, it didn't involve Jesus, but it was close, okay? It was close. So my wife loves to decorate. Like, she loves Christmas. And for the first 10 or 15 years of our marriage, I told her it wasn't practical. I didn't think Jesus liked that, but she just told me I needed to hear from the Holy Spirit that it was, in fact, Jesus. And so she loves to decorate. Man, we got all kind of stuff. And um, so, you know, we got reindeer in our yard. We got manger in our yard. You know, we got lights all around our street, and we got ornaments on the wreaths up on our windows and a 12-foot Christmas tree. I mean, we got it going on, okay? So anyway, I come home the other day, and Tracy's out in the front yard. So Tracy's never out in the front yard when I come home. So I know there's a problem. And she said, someone had run over her row of lights on our sidewalk, in our driveway. And so I stopped at my truck because she was there. And she said, did you run over my lights? <laughs> and then she said, 17. 17 lights. Well, I assured her that it me, if I drove my truck through the yard, you, there would be ruts and things like that, and so she wasn't convinced, so, I mean, we're not even inside yet, so she's texting Trinity and calling Trinity, and she said, Trinity, did you, you know, run over the lights when you, did you back over the yard when you left, and she, and Trinity's response was, I don't think it was me, normally, when I back up and I'm in the yard, I know. Okay, so I'm feeling better about myself. I'm feeling better about myself. I mean, I think I'm doing pretty good now. But I could still, you, you know how in your home, come on, Mary, folks, you ever just feel the air is a little bit dark? And like at any second, things could go the wrong way. And then I got a text on my phone. This is the Christmas miracle. I got a text on my phone. We had had workers come to our house that morning, and they apologized for running over Tracy's lights. Here it is right here. That's a Christmas miracle. Amen. And so we're, we're talking about a family like life Christmas, and last week we talked about, you know, we started talking about what the Christmas season should mean for, for Christians, and you know, sometimes we get so busy with the stuff going on around Christmas, work parties, gifts, all these things, all the pressures, finishing up, you know, contracts and things for the end of the year, that I think we really get our, get our eyes off of the true meaning of Christmas, and of course the true meaning is it's not Xmas, it's God sending Jesus into the world, in the flesh, born of a woman, and he sent Jesus so that we could be cleansed from the weight of sin. And how, how many of you know that, uh, I know me, myself, for sure, and you, whenever you have sin in your life that, that, that is just weighing on you, man, whenever you repent and give that to Jesus, it just, it just, it's just a weight lifted. And so that is the meaning of, of Christmas. But you know, during this Christmas season, I'm, I'm just trying, I've, I've done like 18 Christmases now at Family Life, and I try, every year I try to get a different angle, and I've done the wise men, you know, 15 times, you know, and I've done the, you know, the, the shepherds and Joseph and Mary, and so I was really thinking, you know, what, what is the deeper aspect of the story? And I think some things we've never realized before, many people, is that when God sent Jesus into the world, he was very strategic and, in, and, and intentional about when he sent Jesus into the world. In Galatians 4, in verse 4, it says this, But when the fullness of time had come, 
God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And that, that's not just gender specific, it's not just for men, it's that we, the children of God, that we could receive adoptions as the children of God. And, and so if you think about this, many, we, we celebrate Jesus coming into the world, but many times we don't think how strategic God was that he waited for several thousand years. We talked last week about how the first messianic prophecy was in Genesis chapter 3, 14 and 15, when sin entered the world. And, and God is waiting, waiting, waiting until just the perfect time, and he sent Jesus into the world. And basically, when all the conditions were just perfectly lined up, when the natural realm and the spiritual realm overlapped, God sent his son into the world. And, and uh, we learned that uh, it, it, was, it was a fullness of time politically, economically, morally, and spiritually. So what was happening? God sent Jesus into the world during the height of the Roman Empire. And even though we think as Ro Rome as being a brutal empire and conquering people and nations, and they were, but after they conquered people, there was a sense of peace, and they, they let their citizens work and come and go. So when Jesus came in the world, the whole world at that time, from one end of their empire to the other, there was, there was the Roman banner or standard. There was, no more, there was no more national boundaries. Everything was wide open. So at, because of that, there was peace throughout the whole empire. There were also great roads. The Romans were known for building roads. You can still go to Europe today. And there are still roads that were built 2,000 years ago to carry their troops. So Rome... Uh, when there was no peace and national boundaries and there were roads that allowed missionaries to run up and down the Roman Empire spreading the gospel of, of, of Jesus Christ. And of course, there was a common language. And uh, Greek was the common language of actually Latin and Greek of the Roman Empire, but every village spoke Greek. And so there was a common language. And so the, the conditions were set for Christianity to make a dramatic impact upon the world. And remember, uh, God sending Jesus to the world was a one-time gift. It was one time, so he wanted, he was intentional and strategic as to when he sent Jesus, when the conditions were perfect, uh, you know, to receive him. But the next step is this. God was not only strategic in when he sent Jesus, he was also very strategic and intentional about who would care for and raise Jesus. I mean, think about this. He chose Joseph and Mary. Uh, why did he not choose any of the, why, did, why did he choose Joseph and Mary? Um, and and I, I think he chose Joseph and Mary because he saw in them a heart that was different. He saw a different heart, a heart that was submitted to him, a heart that would be obedient to the, to the call he placed upon their lives, a heart really that was full of purity and humility. We're going to read this, a story of, of Joseph and Mary this morning. And when, when you see, I think in the story, what you really see is how their hearts were really, uh, what they were mostly about was accomplishing the call of God up, up, upon their life. Their heart, their heart was different. And they were just ready and eager to serve God. And what, what I want to talk about this morning is I want to look at Joseph and Mary 
uh, and, and look at why were they used by God? Why did God choose them? But more importantly, as we're winding down this year, certainly many people this time of year, they're always looking into next year, and they're always trying to plan things and think about things as to how they can do better. And, uh, you know, I think as Christians, our heart desire should be to be used by God next year. All of us have family members that aren't saved. All of us have people we work with that are hurting. All of us have people in our neighborhood who are hurting and, and just all kind of dramatic things going on. So the question is, how can God use me to reach the people in my life? See, the beautiful, the beautiful thing about church is when we leave here this morning, now we're all here and we're, we're in one purpose and one accord, but when we leave here, we're going to have hundreds of people going into a totally different sector of life. What if, instead of our focus being on what we don't have, or what we want, or what we want to accomplish, what if our goal was, man, how can I do more for God next year? How can I be used uh, by Him? And it all goes back to the heart. It all goes back to the heart. Uh, you remember there's a famous story in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel 16, 17. The prophet Samuel went to Jesse because God had told him one of his sons is going to be the next king. And of course, all the older brothers are coming in. David wasn't even invited to the party. So here's just a little nugget for you. Just because people didn't invite you to the party doesn't mean that God's not going to bring you to the party. And so David's not even there. He's out. I mean, one of the sons has to stay out there with the sheep. So it was David. All these tall, big, handsome guys come in, and, and God just says, he's not the one, he's not the one. And it says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, now, no one in here does that, do they? Come on now. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. So here's the thing. You can fool people by outward appearance, but God is just gauging at the inside of us. You can put a good show on the outside and be filled with bad things. So God looks at the heart. So it's the heart. If we want to be used by God, if you say, God, I want you to use me, to bring transformation in the lives of people around me. I want you to use me to be a light at work. I want you to use me to be an influence in my family. It all starts with our, with our heart. Let me ask you a question, because we're, most of us are going to spend some time with our family this year. How many of you struggle being around family sometimes? I'm talking about lying next. Well, even though we love our family, sometimes it's just a little bit difficult. And I think it was, it was last Christmas, I was, my whole family was together. This is funny. When I'm, around, when I'm around my family, and I love my brother, my sister, my parents, but they, they could get on my nerves quicker, but they don't really bother Tracy so much. But when we go to her family, it's, you ever notice that? It's like, yeah, just, you know, anyway. So we were at, we, we, you know, at Christmas, whatever. And I said something, and y'all know my family, so I can't tell you who, okay? But uh, I said something, and they made a comment back. And, I, like, I was just, 
this is baloney, this is ridiculous, so I did the big eye roll. I got a kick under the table. And she said, everyone just saw you do that. Well, now we know where we are, okay? There we go. But how many of you know when someone bothers you, that other person usually is not the problem? If my heart was right, they wouldn't have bothered me so much, okay? And so anyway, there we go. We're all, we're all in the party now. Proverbs 4.23, it says this, guard your heart. Say that with me. Say, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So where you want to be at the end of next year, or in January, February, March, where you want to be at the end of this month, it, the Bible says that your heart, what's going on in here, it determines the course of our life. And so there were many, many other young Jewish men and women, young kids, 13 to 17 years old, who God could have chose to be the parents of Jesus. But he was very strategic. He chose Joseph and Mary. And we learn from the story. You know, uh, we still read about them and hold them in honor today because they raised the Messiah. He was in, he was in their house, but we also know they went through some difficult times. So I want to talk to you just for a minute about how to be used by God. It's, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. You know, in today's world, I think we make some pretty miscalculated assumptions when we choose somebody. We do. Uh, whenever we choose vol volunteers, leaders, friends, business partners, employees, even, even spouses, a lot of times what we do is we look at gifts, talents, appearance, and personalities. Well, our personalities get together. Well, do they have any gifts? You know, do they have any character? So we, we, we do that, and then later on, we, we, we realize, man, I was too quick to make that decision, or, or I made it on the wrong, wrong decision. So basically what happens is human beings were guilty of choosing somebody or choosing something because of outward appearance or outward, outward qualities. But Jesus chose Joseph and Mary because of their internal qualities. When we, when we choose people based on their heart and their internal qualities, their character, we're never disappointed. But we, we, sometimes we want the flashiest, we want the biggest, we want the best, and whether or not they have, they have character or not. So Jesus chooses people by looking at their heart, their internal, quality, their internal qualities. And so this is, again, when Jesus was choosing the parents of Jesus. He, he, Jesus didn't look down and say, well, which, which Jewish families are in the nobility? Which ones have prestige and family name? Which ones have wealth? Which ones have power? No, Jesus chose Joseph and Mary, and they were just average Jewish kids. I mean, as far as you know, they lived in Nazareth, which was not a flashy place to live. They were just normal, everyday run, run of the kids. No power, no academic prowess, nothing special about them outwardly, but internally, internally, their, their internal uh, heart conditions, uh, Joseph and Mary went above the crowd. They, they stood out because of their internal uh, character, character qualities. And so I want to take a look at the Christmas story 
this morning so we can get a glimpse into the heart of Mary and Joseph. So I'm going to read two passages and then we'll talk about them real quickly. The first one is about Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin plan, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will, will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And, and Mary has a question, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, even Elizabeth, your relative, who is going to have a child in her old age. And of course, she had John the Baptist, the, the pre-runner of Jesus, out in the desert baptizing people. And, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now, so in the story, what we, the first thing that, you know, you don't have to be too brilliant to pick up on is this is not really what a 13-year-old girl engaged to her high school sweetheart wanted to hear. So when you hear a word from the Lord and it's not what you wanted to hear, you're in a long list of people in the Bible who God called them to do something that they weren't expecting or even excited about. I mean, I mean, th think about this. This is just in incredible. Um, there had to be so many things going through Mary's mind. How do I explain this to Joseph? I mean, come on. Look, look at your husband. If you went to tell him you were pregnant, but it wasn't by any that it was a supernatural thing, I don't think it would go well. I just don't. So there's Joseph, but then there's her parents. Let's scratch parents off and just write dad right there. You go tell your dad, hey, I'm pregnant. I know you don't want to hear this, but it's from the Holy Spirit. I mean, just, just, just think it's crazy. And then, of course, the community. What were all her friends in the village of Nazareth going to say about her? And, and, and so the pressure was coming. The pressure was coming, but she answered, I am the Lord's servant. That's amazing. That God asked you to do something that's going to cause you pain. People are not are going to make fun of you. People are going to say, you know, you have loose morals, whatever. And, and, and she says, I am the Lord's servant. May, may it be as you say. That, that's an incredible... So we get... We get we get some insight into her heart that she just wanted to do, she wanted to please God. She wanted to please God above all else. Now let's look at, at Joseph. 
Matthew 8, 1, verse 18 through 25, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So basically what we learn from that is Mary laid out the argument as well as she could, and Joseph wasn't buying it. But he was very kind, he was very respectful, and he was, he, he was, he was going to do uh, the wrong thing, but he was going to do it in a right way. But after he had considered this, an angel Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did. He did. He obeyed. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not uh, consummate their marriage until after she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Isn't it interesting that when we obey God, he takes care of the rest. That's an, that's a, an amazing thing in this story that we don't think about. We, see, sometimes we read something, we've heard it and read it so much that we don't think about how the facts are coming out, the impact of things, or what people uh, must have gone through. So God sent an angel to reassure Joseph that Mary had been faithful and the birth was, was God-ordained. And, you know, I believe this story gives us great insight into being used by God, and I believe Joseph and Mary are incredible examples. Uh, if we look into their heart, the type of heart they had that God chose them to be the parents of Jesus. And you know what I believe this morning? I believe that in this room, God has special things for each one of us, incredible things. But the only way we will ever get to carry them out is if our heart is right. Our hearts have to be right. God won't give us an assignment that our heart can't handle. Okay? And so it all goes back to the heart. So at the next few weeks as we go through Christmas and as you're preparing for next year, maybe more than writing out a list of to-dos, maybe the, maybe the number one thing is, how can I get my heart right? How can I get my heart to be pure? How can I get my heart to be obedient to God? How can I get all the clutter? See, the, the problem is in this, in this world every day, we're, we're just, we're, we're bombarded with profanity, profane shows, profanities, all kind of lust and greed. And if we're not careful, even though we love the Lord, our hearts can get polluted with that. And so we have to get our hearts clean so we can be used by God. And he, here's something to think about. If your heart is right, God will take care of the rest. If your heart is right, God will orchestrate and, and work out all of the details. So you don't have to know the details. If God has told you something that seems impossible, you're with a long list of great men and women in the Bible who, who heard calls of the impossible. But if our heart is right and if we obey, it's God's job to work out all the details. So you don't have to, you don't have to, to worry about that. So I want to look at three things this morning that I think that you just see 
in Joseph and Mary's, and Mary's heart. There, there's more, but the top three um, is this. First of all, we have to have a burning desire to do God's will. We have to have a burn. burn. In other words, in your heart, there has to burn something that, man, I, I want to do something special for God. I want God to use me. I want God to use my family. Uh, because he, he, here's the thing. If you have no spiritual desire to do anything for God, the likelihood of God choosing you is pretty small. Are you still there? I, I mean, think about it. Having a desire to do God's will, to please Him, to obey Him, is kind of a prerequisite for God calling us to, to do something. It's a, a prerequisite to being used, uh, you know, by God. And when we look at Joseph and Mary, we, we just see a desire to be used by God, even though the, they would have never chose the circumstances. They would have never chose, uh, you know, the, 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 sit, the situation. Um, but we never, what we never hear is, obviously there's a little bit of confusion when they're first told about this, like how is this going to happen? But after that gets settled and God speaks to both of them, you know, we, never anymore do we hear in the story about, never do we hear either one of them complaining or whining or ungrateful. I mean, I, don't have, I, I mean, just think about the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem on a donkey when you're eight months, nine months pregnant. Come on, ladies, work with me here. I mean, I, to me, it just shows that Joseph had more faith than anyone else in the Bible. I would never put Tracy on a donkey at eight and a half months pregnant and, and, and take her 50 miles. I just, I'm sorry. I love you, God, but we need a plane ticket or we need something, you know. We need, need something. But he, here's what I found. The honest truth is that, is that every Christian wants to go to heaven and every Christian wants to live with God eternally. Every Christian wants the benefits and the blessings of God, health, wealth, good relationships, good finances. We, we, we want all those things. But I wonder how many of God's people would say, above what God could give me and do for me, I just want to obey God. I just want to please God. And I, I, Joseph and Mary, they weren't in it for the money. They weren't in it for what they could get. They were in it, they were in it to, to please God. So having a desire to be used by God is a prerequisite for God to actually use us. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You know, do you ever desire spiritual things? I mean, when you write a list of what you want to do, because I'm in, I'm in church every day. I talk to many of you all the time. We have people stop by the church all the time to talk. And I don't know that I've ever had anyone come into me and, office and say, you know, pastor, the number one thing is I just want God to use me this year. Many times it's what we want God to do for us. But, but I'm thinking, so do you, I mean, I just think we have to, myself, we have to evaluate ourselves. I think we want so many things from God, but so many things we want, they're natural. They're in the natural realm that aren't going to mean make anything a difference later on, but I mean, See, the spiritual things live forever. Every, every person we lead to the Lord, every lost person, every person that's delivered from drugs and alcohol, and every marriage 
that is restored and doesn't go through divorce, that is lasting impact. That is lasting impact. And I, I think what the devil has done, he's got us so busy that we're focused on the temporary and not so much on things that, 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 that will live forever. Um, do, you have, do you ever dream about uh, how God can use you to bring about transformation in people's lives about you? You know, I mean, think about it. Do you ever get excited about reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, small group fellowship, serving in the church and things like that? Because you say, see, when we read our Bibles and pray, see, that's the time that God would speak to us and tell us these things. And, and I mean, I, I just think that sometimes we're so, we live in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. That's a difficult thing. I think many times we live in the world and we live by the standards and the rules of the world, and then we go to church. And, and like I'm saying this, I live in the world too. And we have to make sure that, that our top priority, there's nothing wrong with wanting a better job, with wanting your kids to succeed, with wanting a nice house and a nice car and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. But does a spiritual desire for, for things and to help people, does that go above your materialistic desires and so I, I just think we have to we have to check ourselves so Joseph and Mary they, the number one they had a burning desire to do God's will even though it, in the in the short term it would cause them shame shame embarrassment and disappointment is what was coming to them in those in those first few days the second thing is this I think to be used by God you have to you have to have faith to believe the promises of God Every time God asks you to do something, a promise comes with that if you listen long enough. God told Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12, I want you to leave your family, your people, and go to a place I will show you. Oh, that's good. I don't even have the destination. And if you keep reading, and if you obey me, I will make you into a great nation. Your descendants will be like the stars in the sky. He didn't even have a son. There were promises with, with, with obedience. And the promise here for Joseph and Mary is if you will obey me, you get to raise the Messiah. All of the Old Testament prophecies had prophesied about the future Messiah. All, every religious Jewish family sought the Messiah. That was, that was the key of their faith. And they would get to raise him. They would get to see him in this role. And the grandparents that were embarrassed because uh, their daughter and daughter-in-law was pregnant out of wedlock, they, they would see, see the redemption of the ridicule by everyone in society what was to be overcome by the promise of God that he will be the Messiah and he will save the people from their sin and he will have an everlasting kingdom. That's, so you have to remember the promises of God to make it through the difficult times to get there. And that's what Joseph and Mary, they had, they had to focus on, you know, to, to get to where, to where they were. And, and so I, I think the greatest problem with us is today is that many times we don't have the faith. God asks us to do something, and we see the difficulties but we don't have the faith to believe the promise. Well, what was, what was God's promise to you? 
if you would do this, that he would provide for you, that he would take care of you, that he, I mean, I, I have, I've listened to so many of you in our church, and you've told me what the promise of God is for your life. And so you have to have the, the only way you can walk the walk to follow God and obey God and to accomplish tasks, spiritual tasks for God, is that your faith has to be in the promise of God and your eyes can't be on the difficulty that, that, that you're facing today. You know, of course, faith in Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, it says, now faith is the confidence, the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we don't see. This is what the ancients were coming in for. So faith is having confidence in what we hope for, so we're confident that the promise of God will be fulfilled even though we don't see it in the natural realm. And, and I think that's our biggest problem. When God calls us to do something, we get so excited about it in the beginning, but when we start taking those steps and the hardships come, sometimes we don't have the faith to go back and believe the promise of God. I always tell people, when God asks you to do something, he gives you a promise, you need to write it down. Because you will have to go back and read it at some point. Because when you're getting slammed in the face by obstacles, you need to go back to the, pro the promise and the faith in that is, is, is really what will help us. You know, God told, his, told Mary his plan about, about Jesus, uh, plan for Jesus to enter the world through her. And see, Mary had a legitimate question. How can this be? Since I'm a virgin. God wasn't mad at her. That, that's like a legitimate question. And God answered her uh, by saying this. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So what was he saying? God's saying um, this isn't a natural coincidence. It's a spiritual undertaking. And, and see again, every time God asks us to do something... Yes, the result will be in the natural, but it's the Holy Spirit, it's the presence of God in our life that moves things and transitions things. And we have to understand that. We have to try to quit doing things in our own power. And we have to go back to God to help us. God is the only one that can move things in the spiritual realm and make them line up in, in, in the natural realm. Uh, many years ago, 18 years ago, when we started Family Life, and, you know, when God called us to come here, uh, there's always an excitement when you begin something for God because you don't yet realize how difficult it's going to be. Like, it's so exciting. Like, you can't sleep. And then later on, you can't sleep because you're worried, right? <laughs> you just lose sleep following God. That's what I'm saying. But you shouldn't. That's our fault. And uh, so I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I had great confidence because God had asked us to come here. We moved our family here, you know, quit a job, moved here. And, you know, we didn't have any people, any money, any building, you know, but just so excited. And it wasn't too long afterwards where I realized I didn't have any confidence anymore. Like, no one's coming, right? And no one's going to come. And like Tracy said, like Tracy told me, why would some strangers want to come to our house to church? I have no idea. God asked me to do it, you know? I have no idea. But he, here's the thought. Here's the thought. See, the problem is, my, this is the, a mistake that many of us make. My confidence was misplaced because God never asked me to do it. He asked me to obey. God is the one that does things. So the confidence is not, is not in ourselves, in our abilities. 
the confidence has to go back to God. Faith is having confidence that God can do what he asks you to do. That God can re- re- rearrange things. And so you have to possess a desire to do God's will. You have to have faith to believe in God. And, and then this is the simple thing is you just have to obey when the opportunity arrives. And so many, so many people are waiting for an opportunity to arise, but they're not working on their hearts so they'll be ready when the opportunity comes. So many people fail because they're not ready when the opportunity comes. And, you know, opportunities come. Opportunities come in all kind of different, there's big opportunities where God asks you to do something like move or change or leave a job or give money that you don't really have to a missionary, you know. Um, then there's little things. I think the little things like helping, helping a neighbor, helping somebody, helping a church friend, you know, uh, being faithful in coming to church and attending and serving or teaching a children's class. There's, there's big opportunities and there's little opportunities. And you, know, you know what I've learned is usually if we, if we can't obey on a little thing, I don't know that God's going to ask us to do the big thing. Like, I guarantee you, Joseph and Mary, this was not the first time God asked them to do something. Like, they got this assignment because they had proven themselves to be faithful. I mean, don't you, don't you think that God's probably not going to take a chance with Jesus? You know, he's probably not going to give him to a dysfunctional couple. I'm just, trying, I'm just stating the facts, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty clear. So here's the part that's difficult about obedience. This is the part, if you want to obey God, you want to follow God, this is the part that you just have to, you just have to take it. Uh, you don't get to choose your assignment. Because if so, Jesus would have never came because I don't know one 13-year-old girl that would choose to be pregnant out of wedlock, you know? I mean, that, you know. But he, here's the thing. Usually our opportunities come and they're not what we would think. And here's the reason why. If you got to choose your opportunity, you would choose something that's very comfortable for you. Okay, God, I choose, I choose to be an NFL star so I can make a lot of money and, and have an impact on the world and teach kids. Or We would choose something that's right up our comfort zone alley. But God wants to give us something that stretches our faith so we learn to rely on Him. I mean, when you, when you read the, the Bible about the men and women of faith, man, God just stretched their faith. He stretched them and put them in situations that they, you know, that they didn't really aspire to, to, to be in. But I'll just be honest with you. If I got to choose my assignments... I would not be pastoring, and I would not be living in Houston. Now, I love family life, and I love this area, and I'm going to live the rest of my life here. But I'm just saying, when I was young, it wasn't even on my radar. I wanted to start a business, or I wanted to do this, this or that. And, and I was raised in a pastor's family, so, you know, I saw some stuff my dad went through. So I, I, I wasn't really ready to throw my, hat in, my name in the hat, you know? But... God knew what I needed to do. He knew what would stretch me. He knew what would cause me 
to grow my faith. And so he gave the assignment, and then I got to choose if I, if I wanted to, to obey or not. When I, when I joined the Army, it, it's kind of funny, during boot camp, one day between all the crazy stuff going on, they bring you a little form. And there's five spaces, and you get to put from first to last where you would like to go after you finish boot camp. Now, I, didn't, I was 18, I didn't know this. Now I know. They really don't care what I write down. They have no interest in what I write down. That's just for me to feel good about myself. So I can write a letter home to my mom and say, hey, I put I wanted to go here. As a matter of fact, one drill sergeant told us, he's like, guys, let me give you, you know, people started writing right away, and I was trying to think, because I don't know where I want to go. And he said, guys, let me help you out. Whatever is your favorite, put it on number five. Because they're not going to give you your favorite. So what does the military do? They send you where they need you to go. That is what God does. He sends us where he needs us to go. Where the kingdom of God needs to be built. If something's already taken care of care of, and doing good, it probably doesn't need us. And, and so, uh, you know, we... we when the opportunity comes, we have to, to really um, just, ju- just obey. And we get the opportunity to obey. But the opportunity we get is probably, it's probably not going to look like what you would desire it to because that opportunity, the sole requirement of that is to stretch your faith. Would you stand with me today?